The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by... Greetings, fellow believers, truth seekers, and all-around adventurous souls. You are listening to the New Age Christian Podcast. My name is Austin Fletcher, and as always, I will be your host. Today is episode number four, and we're going to talk about Jesus. Early on in this process, there are a lot of questions that people may have about what about Christianity do you bring with you into this new age? And first and foremost is, do you bring Jesus? Do you throw the baby out with the bathwater? Was he a real man? Did we really need him to die for us? Is it all myth and legend? Or is it really something that is non-negotiable in the life of humanity? And uh, today, I'm hoping that we can create some separation between who Jesus really was and what Christianity has presented And uh, hopefully you will find some answers that you may have always been looking for or didn't know you were looking for. Either way, let's have some fun. All right, here we are, episode number four. We're going to talk about Jesus today. Um, As always, I'm really glad you guys have joined me. I appreciate uh, all of the community that is building around New Age Christianity and uh, the things that are coming down the pipe. Um, Today, you know, the the reason I wanted to talk about Jesus this early on is, I think it's pretty obvious, but most people, when they hear New Age Christianity, when they hear the ideas that it presents, um, if you were born and raised Christian, you immediately think, well, what do you do with Jesus? I mean, heck, Christianity, it's Christ at the center of it. Uh, what do you do with what the church teaches? And even new age people, um, people who either have already left the church or never were a part of it, they tend to love Jesus. They have a respect for him. And the idea of bringing him into their faith journey is not scary and it's somewhat appealing. So right out of the gate, I just want to say Jesus to me is non-negotiable. And it's not because of why you think. It's not because dad had to kill him to be happy. It's not because you were going to get punished and sent to hell otherwise. Um, You know, substitutionary atonement is the name of that theology or penal substitution where he was a substitute for you, where it should have been your hands on that cross and it should have been your back that was whipped and you were the one who put him there. Um, look, Jesus said himself that nobody could kill him, right? He laid down his life willingly. You didn't put him there. He put himself there. And there are reasons beyond what you've, what you've been taught. It's not because somebody needed to die. Um, actually, that's a very old covenant mindset. And it's very clear that the old covenant never brought righteousness, It brought forgiveness of what you did, but it never brought the righteousness of who you were. So it's taking this old covenant idea and imposing it over the life of Christ that really is one of the the root misunderstandings that everything else branches off of. So 
I am warning you, today will be a bit philosophical uh, as we get deeper into some of these answers, and uh, there's really no way to avoid it. Um, there will be a e-learning class that I will be developing, uh, probably called Origin of the Universe, or it's the Unified, Unified Theory of Spirit and Matter, um, and how all this works. That right now we just, you know, 45 minutes or 50 minutes on a podcast is, there's no way to go over it in enough detail. But a lot of people just want the answer, the final answer, and they're not worried about how it all works. So for you, this podcast may be all you ever need to hear about Jesus and New Age Christianity. And for others, um, you know, hopefully in the next six months, the the in-depth version of this teaching will come forward. Um, anyway, in this session, I want to talk about three main questions regarding Jesus. Uh, was he a real person? Because right now there is a movement in the world uh, to discredit his historical uh, reality, you know, um, that he's only a legend, he's only an idea, but he never was a real man. Um, and then if he was a real person, you know, is he really the only way to heaven? Because he said it, no man comes to the Father except through me. Was he a liar? Was he, was he true? And then how do you explain people who've never heard of him? You know, if you didn't hear about him and you died, were you unlucky and get sent to hell and all that? You know, lots of questions around that. And then last but not least, why did he die for me? If it wasn't to, if it wasn't to please an angry father or if it wasn't to pay the price for your sin, why did he die? And so, uh, once again, I'll, I'll do my best to keep this understandable on the surface, but I, I already know I'm going to say things that will require you to have other thoughts before you can really wrap them up in a complete understanding. And that's why we have a community. That's why we have the online forum. And that is why uh, we want to do this a bit differently than just a podcast. I want to engage with your thoughts. So uh, here we go. Was Jesus a real person? Um, if you're looking for historical evidence, that Jesus was a real person. You're not going to find a ton of it, but you will find it in records like uh, Josephus, Tacitus, and Pliny, specifically those three. Josephus was a, uh, a historian in the time of Christ. He was both Jewish and Roman. Um, he was a professional historian, so you can imagine that there's some flavor of his writings that it was, quote-unquote, his job. Um Although he knew the Jewish context, so he had a lot of uh, insights that um, anybody who studies Jewish history finds Josephus to be useful. Yet there's an entire uh, class of scholars that think Josephus is, is fake. So what do you do with that, right? Uh, Tacitus and Pliny were um, other writers who uh, recorded references to Jesus. They were both politicians. And it was part of their political discord, discourse and their um, record keeping to have references to Jesus as well. Beyond that, you're really only going to start finding solid evidence of Jesus, you know, a couple centuries after, um, a couple decades after he's, he's dead and gone. Um, and so when people want to have a discussion about the historical accuracy of Jesus, I always kind of chuckle not because it's not a it's not a valid question, but because in the end, anything that you didn't witness with your own eyes, you still have a measure of faith that the person who is telling you the story is telling the truth. You know, if if someone were to uh, look at current history 
you know, what's happening in our lives today, and they would look at it 2,000 years from now, how many things are happening around us that they would, that are never going to be recorded or kept in those books, in those videos? Um, we instinctively know that the news tells you what you want, what they want you to hear, and a professional Roman historian is going to have some lenses that and some filters where he's writing down what the Romans fi- see to be important. Um, another little-known fact that those who haven't studied is that there were hundreds of so-called messiahs around the time of Jesus because the Jews knew the Messiah was coming at the turning of the ages. Between Aries and Pisces, they knew the Messiah was going to be there. And so there are many, many false messiahs recorded in those same histories. Uh, I think I've mentioned in a previous podcast, John Levi being one of the main ones. Um, So Jesus was just one of many that people believed to be a messiah. I think the real proof of Jesus's historical significance is how his staying power, right? I mean, it's 2000 years later and he's one of the, he is arguably the most famous character in all of human history. Um, so at least in Western culture. So that is one way to look at it, but I actually don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the historical accuracy. Um, because I don't believe there's really a way for me to make an argument that will convince you. If you don't believe in it, then you won't believe in it. And if you do, then there's, then you will. So I want to come at it a bit differently and attempt to explain first John or the, the, Chapter 1 of the Gospel of John says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the Greek word there is logos. The logos became flesh and dwelt among us, and that is logic. And this entire podcast and really the entire concept of Jesus that I ever talk about anymore is based on the fact that Jesus wasn't, quote-unquote, Jesus a man. He was logic itself. And... Why is this important? Because when you look at Jesus as a man, you inevitably ask questions from a human, earthly, matter, you know, uh, standpoint. You want to know if he actually had 10 toes and 10 fingers. You want to know if he had long hair or not and a beard or not. And you want to know if he did actually live in a town called Nazareth and all of that stuff. And that's, that's well and good. But when Jesus is logic you suddenly start to think differently about what it was that he was about. What was he doing on earth? Why did he have to come? And it really boils down to, there is, logic is a, is a gift and a tool we all have. And we've been given in the divine consciousness of humanity. And it is, it requires... It's required to define anything. So you've heard, you know, this kind of the philosophical idea that you don't understand what cold is if you don't know what warm is, right? Because if everything was cold, then there's no need to define it because it's everything. Uh, Light and dark, right? The fact that they're opposites, they define each other. Um, Big and small, uh, fast and slow, up and down, left and right. You don't have the capacity to define anything if there's something, if it's opposite, if it's polar opposite does not exist. And it can't just be different. It must be opposite. So the fact that there is light 
is only known by the fact that there is dark. So if you look at the stars and all of those stars that have all that light, you wouldn't know that they exist if they weren't surrounded by darkness, right? I'm looking at my computer screen right now and it is, it is a picture of the Milky Way. And I only know that that's a star because framing it is blackness. And that is a picture of exactly what logic is. Logic is the tool that we use to frame reality. It is the tool that we use in our minds to define everything. It holds all things together by the mere fact that it embodies both the light and the dark. It embodies both the up and the down. It embodies both, and here's a little hint, it embodies both I am and I am not. It embodies both spirit and matter. It embodies both righteousness and sin. And it always, from the very beginning of its existence, that is its job, that is exactly what it is. And it is, I mean, I've just given you what took me three or four years to figure out that Jesus being logic, there's absolutely no way that he could be logic and not at some point embody both spirit and flesh. So when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and you get in the book of Revelation, it says that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Do you realize in order to have life, you have to have death? So for Christ to embody logic, he had to both be life and death. He had to become sin. He had to become matter. He had to become death. He had to become I am not. Everything that frames light, life, I am, God, righteousness, all of the things that frame that those things and make it uh, defined require their polar opposite. And Jesus is the mechanism that actually frames those definitions, which is why he is, there's nothing that has been made that has not been made through him. And there is nothing that is held together that is not held together by him because he is not just a person. He's logic itself. And logic itself is how the universe is held together, how all things, not just the seen, but the unseen. And so Christ truly is the framework of the I am and the I am not. And to this end, I'll explain. I'm not wearing it. If you're watching the video, I, I don't have it on me. But um, I wear a yin and yang necklace because that is Jesus. He is the yin and the yang. He is the yes and the no. Uh, he's both. And I would even go so far as to say the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is actually Christ. And the tree of that knowledge of both good and evil being Christ is that when Adam and Eve ate of it, they ate of it from the negative. They ate of it from the I am not. And hence the fall, hence we became enemies in our own minds. And when you consider that putting on the mind of Christ is re being renewed, we don't get a new mind, we get a renewed mind. Because Adam and Eve already put on the mind of Christ, they just put it on in the negative. 
when they ate of that tree, they realized they were not. Well, you can't realize you're not if you don't also realize that there is an I am. So Christ himself embodies both the light and the dark, both the yin and the yang, both the yes and the no. And therefore, regardless of his historical accuracy, how I understand it, there's no way that he couldn't become a man because he had to. There's no way that he couldn't become flesh because he had to. There's no way he couldn't have to die. There's no way that he didn't become sin. And so just from a mental science standpoint, which is what this is, Christ is non-negotiable right out of the gate. He, he has to embody all of these things if he is truly supposed to be logic because logic frames it all. Um, there's so much more to it and there's so much more to how that the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil becomes the tree of life and, and, and becomes the white stone. Um, a little, a nice little, for those of you who know Jewish history and, and like the pictures there, the Urim and the Thinim, the white stone and the black stone that was inside the priest ephod, that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the yes and the no. And in the new covenant, it becomes yes and amen as opposed to yes and no. Um, because it frames us differently and you get the white stone only in the, in the book of revelation because you become, I am. And, uh, there's so much more to how this works and how it holds together. And I know it's a, it's a deep thought. Um, I've encouraged so many people to meditate on it. And every time they just kind of a big, stupid grin comes over their face when they realize, oh my gosh, Jesus was so much more than just a dude, right? So much more than my older brother who got pummeled by a father, you know, <laughs> I wrote an article if you, if you, uh, it, it's posted in a couple of different places, uh, but it's called drunk daddy God. And, uh, I kind of revisit the idea that, that Jesus was murdered for us. Um, and then this is kind of the rest of the story that he is logic and that he is, it's non-negotiable that he embodied everything that they said he did because matter is the polar opposite of spirit. Spirit is outside of time, outside of space. Matter is inside of time and inside of space. Um, so he had to become these things and he had to live and die and become sin and everything in order for him to properly hold all things together. And uh, that is really the big answer that from there, the, the next two questions is he the only way? Well, is he the only way to heaven? I would argue that even the Bible itself proves out that a proper understanding of Jesus of Nazareth is not required in order to find your way to heaven. Just look at Enoch, look at Elijah, look at Moses's experience, look at so many of the Old Testament, and then just look at people inside of the New Testament where it's obvious that uh, many people that, not many, but there's, there's a few stories where um, teachers or apostles would find clusters of people who were believing in Jesus, but they were missing different dynamics. And so if, if it's about having all the right perspective of Jesus, at what level do you have that perspective? And then I know, you know, Calvinists and, and other traditions would disagree, but what do you do with the people that never heard of him? I mean, arguably, there's more, there's more people that have, not arguably, it's, it's a fact. 
more people have existed on this planet throughout history than have heard of Jesus. So a majority of humanity has never even heard of him. And when Christians say, well, he's the only way you get to heaven, non-Christians and even a lot of good-hearted, beautiful Christians go, well, that doesn't sound fair at all. And I agree that you would live and die with no chance of winning the lottery known as Jesus Christ of Nazareth, where you happen to be born into a family that was taught that, that you happen to stumble, you know, uh, stumble across a Christian who was willing to share that with you. Um, that makes no sense to me. And while it makes some sense to some Christians, I find that, uh, well, I'll just keep my opinion to myself about that. Um, so is he the only way? Well, as Jesus of Nazareth, as the name, as quote unquote Yeshua, I would say no. Um, is he the only way when he's the Logos, when he's the word of God, when he's logic? Absolutely. There's no way around it. Because in order for you to know that you are forgiven or you are righteous or you are God in the flesh, you have to be able to frame that with what it is to not be God in the flesh, what it is to not be righteous, what it is to not be forgiven. And therefore, you don't get to realize who you are without realizing who you're not. And right there, you have logic. Right there, you have Jesus. There is no way to get to where we're headed without Jesus. So no man comes to the Father except through him. Um, and for quick reference, I would define Father as consciousness. So no one gets to consciousness without logic. That is so incredibly obvious. Um, and, and then just all the mystery that unravels from there. That, yeah, I believe, I believe logic is the only way to heaven. I believe the Logos is the only way to redemption, that, that Christ, again, and his place in you is non-negotiable. And at this point, I think you, you, you hopefully are noticing a trend. You might be noticing a trend that all of the answers, especially for Christians and even the rest of the world, what you've been told about Jesus and how he applies to, to your life as a human, I would say the conclusions are true, but the trappings and the surrounding arguments and the, <laughs> what do you think it's a proverb that says, uh, to the writing of books, there is no end. <laughs> the millions of books that have been written and the, and the billions of sermons that have been taught about Jesus and who he is and why you can't get away from him. Um, I do stand here or sit here and kind of boldly say in this new age of Christianity, there is a new understanding of Christ, of Jesus, of the Logos that is going to create and bring a unity with so many other spiritual traditions and this is one of the cornerstone reasons that I believe New Age Christianity really is new. This is not just another denomination with 90% of the same answers. This is a new system of thought with 90% of the same questions, but the answers are vastly different. And it is systematic and it is um, 
if I may say so, it is thought out to the point where you might disagree with, with the very foundations that you're hearing right now. But if you, if you like the foundations, then you're going to continue to like where this is going. Because viewing Jesus as the Logos versus viewing Jesus as a Jewish dude is the tip of the iceberg as far as how I've come to answer so many of the questions that humanity's been trying to search out. And by the way, for the last 2,000 years, it's been appropriate. It's been absolutely appropriate during the age of Pisces to have the answers we've had. There's nothing wrong with the system that we built, but at the same time, just like there was nothing wrong with the system the Jews built. Yet over time, it became corrupt. Over time, it became a system that those in charge used to keep the followers under control. And so Jesus shows up in the fullness of time and he comes to that old Jewish system and says, okay, your time is up. I'm bringing something new. Well, here we are again, 2,000 years later, in a new age of Christianity, and we get to go to that old system and say, there's so many truths in there, and it's beautiful, and you should do many, many of these things, but how you view it and how we've been thinking of it needs to be revisited. And it's not because I'm that smart or any of the new teachers are that smart. It's because it's the fullness of time again. The Spirit is unveiling what I believe to be the last uh, the last 2,000 year period before humanity becomes fully manifested God in the flesh. And, uh, you know, maybe sometime we'll have a discussion about what the next age is going to look like, what the next 2,000 years is going to look like. Um, but I believe you have this, the same process that took place in the spirit has been taking place in the soul. And what's been taking place in the spirit and the soul is soon to take place in the body. Because the body is the last thing um, to be uh, manifested as, as the sons of God. So this is really just a, an entry-level discussion about Jesus. And yet, when it comes to New Age Christianity as a whole, it is an, uh, a marker, um, kind of a template, that uh, if you don't like this, you're probably not going to like a, much, a lot of other stuff. But if you do like this, and you like thinking about Jesus differently and being logic itself and framing everything to where suddenly, uh, whether you're Buddhist or whether you're Muslim or uh, New Ager or anything, when you realize, wow, any human that uses logic, any animal that uses logic, any concept that is held together by it, there's Christ. There's Jesus. There's the mind of Christ at work. And we are using and renewing that mind where most humans use that mind to come down on the same side of the coin that Adam and Eve did. They use their mind of logic to come down on the side of, I am not God. I am not worthy. I am not righteous. But to have that renewed mind, as it says, to have this mind that was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So, Believing that you are the body of God and you are his physical manifestation, and I touched on that last week, is really to me the, the beginning of realizing how pervasive logic is in your thoughts and how his mind can really be your mind. And uh, so the last big question when you understand that Jesus is logic and you understand that 
there's really no way to understand righteousness and, and achieve righteousness without him is, well, then why did he have to die if, if at his core, he's kind of an idea, right? Um, well, that I've also kind of answered in the first one, but it really does. I want to, one last moment or one last time, I want to kind of drive home this, the reality that substitutionary atonement and Jesus's death for your sins there's echoes of it in the scripture, and I'm not saying that there's not a component of truth to it. What I'm saying is, is that it was never on the Father's side of the equation. Our sin, our consciousness of it, our separation because of it, and, its, and, its, and our need for redemption are all true, but they are true in our minds. They are not true as far as father's perspective of us. And so what does that say about someone who has a clean conscience to approach father? Is it possible that there are other traditions, that there are other ways of thinking that maybe didn't need this entire story? to come back. They need logic, so there's no way around Jesus. But they didn't need the narrative because they didn't have the law in the first place, or at least not as much as we did and the Jews did and a lot of other religions do. I believe that's exactly how you would explain uh, the salvation that, that Paul talks about when he says creation has made it plain. Creation has made it plain to anyone who would listen and anyone who would look and meditate that God is God and that there is a relationship between us and him. So if Jesus didn't die to please dad, um, to me, that's, that's the first, that I would say is absolutely a lie from the pit of hell. Then on one level, it's kind of the next level up. So if that's the lowest level, there's one level up that says he did die for us to believe that dad was pleased, right? So it's kind of half true, but it's half true because it's only on our side of the, on the, on our side of the table. So his, Jesus planted an idea in the mind of humanity. And that's where I, when I teach this in person, I, I often just talk about, like he's a stinking genius, man. Like Jesus, this, this idea that we were forgiven, this idea that we were redeemed, this idea that we were saved, he literally lived his life and then died so that he could sow an idea into the soil of humanity's mind. That is so incredibly beautiful and selfless. And what he experienced so that we could have that idea is... I mean, it's irreplaceable. And if that is where somebody wants to stop and just say, yes, Jesus died for me. I, I would never come to them and say, you know, you, you've got it wrong. Well, because it is true. It is true for them and it's true on their side. Because ideas themselves carry within them the seed of their fulfillment. That is, to me, kind of the level two of why did Jesus have to die? But really, the, the highest level of truth that uh, I believe, yes, he had to die, 
was back again to the fact that he was logic. He had to not only be life, but he had to be death. He had to not only be spirit, but he had to be matter. He had to not only be righteousness, but he had to be sin. And whether or not we had ever sinned, whether or not we had ever fallen, there is a reality to the fact that we are matter and God is not. It says in scripture, God is spirit. We are matter. By definition, we frame who God is and he frames who we are. And in other words, we, until Christ, we were not spirit. We were matter and we were matter only. And until Christ, spirit was not matter. It was spirit only. And so there was an eternal cosmic difference between us and God. But logic demands, stay with me here, logic demands that in order for God to be God, he has to be everything. And because we were not God, and as a matter of fact, we, we manifested that by saying we were not God. Think about that. God was not everything. Just go to your neighbor and ask him if he's God. And when your neighbor says, no, I'm not, then by definition, either he's a liar or he's a God who's creating his not, his I am notness. And and the father is honoring that, which is, I would say is that that's the truth. So now you get 1 Corinthians 15, where it says Christ must rule and reign until all enemies have been made a footstool for his feet. Right? That's a couple verses I'm, I'm combining the concepts. But the whole point is, is that when the last enemy is defeated, he then submits it all back to the Father so that the Father can once again be all in all. Now, if you break up that uh, concept that the Father would be all and he would be in all, by definition, he currently isn't. Otherwise, that would be the case. But Christ currently is all in all. And so if God is not a name, but it's a position, it's no different than saying president of the United States. So if it's the God is a, is, is a position, it's not his name. And so if the father is not God because he's not all in all, it is Christ. It is Jesus. It is logic who is currently God. And logic will remain God until any separation and all separation has been done away with. And then the Father will once again be all in all. And so here's the truth of the matter as I see it. That Jesus, Christ, logic, from the foundation of the world... There was no possible way that he couldn't, he didn't have to, at some point, also become everything that we are. Because his original substance was spirit, just like father. But he framed our existence and we were created through him, through logic, that he also then had to experience flesh, matter. He had to experience death. He had to experience sin, and everything that God isn't. 
because it is only through that that now we can say we are matter. Now let me unpack this, or that we are spirit, sorry. Let me unpack this. We came into existence because the Father was everything we were not. And we framed, he is spirit, he is eternal, he knows everything, he's everywhere. All the omni, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, yet we're inside of time and space and we are everything that he is not. So now we're framing each other like the yin and the yang. We are framing the other. Matter is framing spirit's existence. But if you back out that entire process, it is only logical and it is logic that creates that and holds it together. So if logic creates that and holds it together, how do you then get to the point where spirit and matter are one again? This is the the mystery of marriage. This is Eve has been pulled out of Adam and now the two become one again. Yet they're two, right? It's not like Eve suddenly goes back to being a rib, like she remains herself. So we are Eve and father is Adam and now we're supposed to become one again. So that God, the, the title of God could then apply to him and us. Well, the only way you do that is you have to be illogical. In other words, logic has to die. And it is illogical for matter to say that it is everywhere and everything. Because by definition, it's not. It's inside of time and inside of space. And so you're literally being illogical when you say that you are spirit. Think about it. And there's lots of, I get it, this is deep. This is, this is philosophically very heavy stuff. But it is illogical for a bunch of matter-based beings to say, we are spirit. And yet, because of Christ, we get to say that. Because logic died. And logic became illogical. And then here's the craziest part. The fact that I can explain this to you on a podcast as best I can in 45 minutes, the fact that I can explain it to you is all because of logic itself. In other words, the only thing that could make logic illogical was logic. Now let that sit for a second. That only Christ could lay down his own life because no one else could do it. Only the Logos could bring itself to the point of being death, to the point of being non-existent, to the point of being I am not. So logic itself brings this entire process full circle and says, Matter is now not, it it doesn't exist anymore to be the I am not of spirit. It actually exists to where now spirit and matter are both I am. And yet, for eternity, we will frame each other. That matter will frame spirit and fear it. spirit will frame matter and logic is the, is the mechanism that is holding that together. So, was Jesus a real person? I believe he had to be. Is he the only way? 
Well, if you define him as logic, yes, he's the only way that any of us get anywhere in life. Everything is held together by him. And last but not least, did he have to die for me? Well, yes. If you wanted to be spirit, if you wanted to have eternal life, if you want to be anything other than the manifestation of everything God isn't, then yes, he had to. And honestly, it's, it's regardless of what you want. Let's just be honest. Whether you want it or not, um, and if God wants to be everything again, you know, if he wants to be all in all again, then logic had to do what it had to do. And this is from the foundation of the world. Um, as I said, there's, there is a teaching that I do, um, that I will be putting, I will be making a class of it, I believe in the next few months. Um, I know a lot of you who listen to this podcast have either heard rumor of this teaching known as origins of the universe or you have uh, heard it and want to hear it again, um, I've given probably 10% of it, uh, if that, in this particular uh, recording. Because I understand a lot of you just just want just enough to move on and, and, and settle it. And uh, I guess I want to end with uh, Jesus himself as a man, as an idea, as logic. He... I say he's non-negotiable, not because it's a rule, but because why on earth would you not want to understand him? Why on earth would you not want him and this understanding in your journey? Because I'm, I'm telling you, it absolutely opens up a perspective of just about every other question, whether it's hell or the Bible or other religions or spiritual skills like walking on water. Like when you understand that Jesus is logic and that all of the stories we've been told are true because they have to be true, it makes your journey so much more freeing. It, it really becomes the gospel. Gospel simply means news that is too good to be true. That when you can look at the world and realize any human who is using logic in some at some level is using the mind of Christ. That even Adam and Eve, when they ate of that tree, they were actually putting on the mind of Christ. Now, they were using that mind in inversion. They were using it in the wrong direction. Just uh, no different than you can use any tool in the wrong way. They were using the mind of Christ in a wrong way. But nonetheless... We've had that mind from the beginning because we've had logic from the beginning. What does that do when you look at other people, other people who aren't Christians, quote unquote, when you look at people of political difference or when you look at people who drive you nuts, other cultures, whatever. To me, it creates the ability to honor that it's, it's, an automatic switch to go, well, right now their mind, their Christ likeness is at, you know, a level three out of 10 or four out of 10 or whatever, where their, uh, their I amness is simply in process. You know, the antichrist, uh, is not an individual. It's a spirit. It's an idea. It is, a 
reality, but nonetheless, it is anything that simply tells you you are not. And I would say the number one culprit of telling the world that it is not is the church and religion because they have become the thing that has framed our separation from God. And I'm very much hoping that New Age Christianity can learn how to frame everything that we are and everything that God is and not not try to get rid of humanity and get rid of the idea of like, oh, we just, we just need to get rid of the body and go to heaven. No, the Father doesn't want to get rid of We frame him and he frames us. And just like Adam and Eve become one again, and God becomes all in all in us, in us stepping up into our place, that God does not have a presence in the universe, in the physical universe without us. We are the divine presence in, in this realm. And so this cannot be about getting rid of our bodies and getting rid of our whatever. This has to be about embracing it and growing in it and staying here. Immortality's a thing because we're supposed to be mortal yet not die, right? We think a lot of people think immortality is the same as eternal life. Well, that's no, the whole point of immortality is to stay here. So why is it the prize when we think the whole point is to get out of here? Anyway, I digress. I hope this was clear enough. I hope it at least doesn't leave you uh, completely lost. Uh, I'll have to listen to this again at the end and see how well I did. I don't know. I could record this thing 20 times and, and know what I left out. So I'm just going to trust that the Spirit actually shared what he needed to share and that you at least understand as far as new age Christianity goes, that Christ is central, that Jesus is central, that logic is the answer for everything that, uh, humanity is, has needed. And therefore it is amazingly beautiful, um, to consider Christmas and Easter and all that stuff. I don't, Clearly, I don't consider those things in the way that, the, that a lot of the portrayals are. But I love those seasons. I love sharing Jesus. I love talking about Christ. It doesn't scare me. And uh, I don't know a single person who has heard this who didn't just have a big stupid grin on their face. <laughs> because, because Jesus is awesome. He's absolutely awesome. And uh, love him to death. So... Thank you guys for your time, as always. I hope you did enjoy this. I hope uh, I hope it wasn't too confusing. And um, you know, jump on the forum, jump on the uh, different the the website and the community in the discussions below. Um, hit me up on Facebook, whatever. Uh, I would absolutely love to answer your questions. And uh, you know, please consider uh, donating to uh, New Age Christianity. And uh, you can find the donation buttons on the website, newagechristianity.org, or on our Facebook page, um, New Age Christianity is the, is the page handle. And uh, keep your eyes open for the upcoming study group and the classes that will be coming out of that. There's a lot more I want to do, a lot more that I feel released to, uh, to start. So I'm having a great time. I hope you are as well. And... Share with your friends. Share this stuff. 
that is absolutely the point of this podcast. And uh, I'll see you on the next episode. Love you guys.